2: Pulse.
0: Recorded live.
2: Welcome to another episode of the theRobberReport.com. This is your host Rob Roy McGregor. Uh, we are going to have a, a wonderful show about industrial hemp today. I'm uh, looking forward to our uh, many illustrious guests that will be here, and uh, we are going to be discussing all the aspects from. Seed farming, all the way to the sale and successful distribution of industrial hemp products. Uh, We have a special guest from uh, Three Rivers Market, and he will be discussing the nutritional aspects of uh, hemp seed. Uh, We have uh, David Schmidt, COO of Industrial Hemp Manufacturing LLC, today, and he will be discussing the process of Uh, moving hemp fiber into products. Uh, We will also have um, a special guest from the North Carolina Industrial Hemp Organization, uh, Jeff Cartonia, and then we will also have a special guest from the Tennessee Hemp Association, and uh, she will give us a complete rundown on the uh, uh, realities of Tennessee hemp. Uh, in our second year of, uh, of growth. So I'd like to go ahead and um, and uh, that will be Colleen. Uh, Colleen, what is your last name, dear?
3: Yeah, it's okay. Colleen Cahey. Okay.
2: okay, awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and let everybody introduce themselves by a round table. Um Starting with uh, you, Colleen, go ahead and tell us a little bit about you and your organization real quick, and then uh, we can get into uh, – everyone else's introductions, and then once we're done with that, then we could just have a free-flowing conversation like we all like to enjoy.
3: <laughs> Great. Sure. Thanks for that, Rob. Um, yeah, Colleen taking here. I live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, um, and I realized that when Senate Bill 50 passed in Kentucky that uh, I was going to need some help educating legislators about the potential for hemp in the state of Tennessee, and with that went to Washington, D.C., And um, met up with the Hemp Industries Association and pitched to them to become the first chapter of the National um, HIA, the Hemp Industries Association. And with that, they allowed me to create the Tennessee Hemp Industries Association, which we started late 2013, and really used the association to communicate supply chain to the legislature. And then from then on, moved. Uh, to educate and then have the overwhelming support where we nearly passed our bill unanimously in both chambers of our state government. So with that, we've progressed and I've been able to be a liaison to my Department of Agriculture to create the rules and regulations and just really be um, sort of a, a, a wingman for them in terms of bringing the network together. We hold monthly meetings at Middle Tennessee State University um, and you know, we just really try to create this network here where we can educate people about hemp and all of its challenges, which there are many. Um, and also since that time, I will mention that I'm also the national outreach coordinator for Boat Hemp and I also work on state policy nationwide. And I'm really excited to announce that Alabama yesterday passed their hemp bill in the House and the Senate. So Alabama is a new southeastern hemp state, pending governor's signature. So very good things happening in the southeast.
2: Wow, that's fantastic! I did not realize uh, Alabama was that close to a, um, a a vote or a bill change. Yeah, so, they were um,
3: quite, quite, quite uh, quiet about it. Actually, they have a wonderful uh, advocate there, McMillan Arrington, who's been doing a really fantastic job, and I think it helps. Perhaps that he is also the grandson of the former Ag Commissioner there. So in terms of really having a great network, he knows the people to talk to. So that's quite wonderful for the hemp movement.
2: Wow, fantastic, Colin. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to um, let us uh, hear from the North Carolina Hemp Association introduction. Uh, we have with us Jeffrey. Jeffrey, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your organization? And uh, uh, Yes.
0: Yes, sir. Um, My my name is Jeff Gratonia. I'm the executive director of the North Carolina Industrial Hemp Association. Uh, We were formulated originally at the beginning of 2015, and our goal was to change the hemp cultivation laws um, within North Carolina uh, with the provisions of the 2014 USDA Farm Bill. Um, We were successful in, I guess, uh, technically speaking, 11 short months as it was chaptered in North Carolina law. Uh, in uh, November of 2015, and there was some stipulations within the working parts of Senate Bill 313 uh, that established the North Carolina Industrial Hemp Commission as an agency underneath the, uni- uh, the, the Agriculture Department of North Carolina to uh, you know adopt the rules and regulations for approval by the Agriculture Department including the parameters of licensing, application, process, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So with that being said, Senate Bill 313 did state that uh, in order for this commission to be founded, um, outside of the state government and or agriculture department budgets, uh, somebody had to raise uh, $200,000 to enact that commission. So our association has taken on the responsibility best that we can um, to be a conduit for the education of the state, uh the donations that are needed to create this commission. And I can report as of today, we're at $49,901 uh, towards that raise. And we're mo- working with multiple other, you know, groups and, uh, you know, agencies, you know, whether that's the uh, uh, you know, the local economic development people or whether that's private corporations or private companies with interest in hemp to attempt to raise this money. And, you know, we're going throughout the state on a regular basis, educating uh, everybody, the farmers, the constituents of the state, the processors. Of course, David is one of the or the only processor uh, to a large scale. Uh, and and he is part of our group as well. And um, we are going through um everything we can to uh, present the case for hemp in North Carolina.
2: And uh, what is your deadline for raising the $200,000? And what happens if you do not raise that $200,000 by the deadline?
0: There is no statutory deadline that I am aware of. Um, That question has come up on multiple occasions. There's some reference to the uh, folding of the commission um, with a sunset deadline, but that is a parameter based around, um, and again, I am no attorney, but certainly sit in with our attorney meetings and our, our lobbyist meetings, et etc. Um, but that is designed if, – if, if there's a federal measure that would trump any state necessity for rules and regulations, and essentially the commission was no longer needed per, you know, a working uh, industrial hemp business – or not business, but, uh, you know – Industry within the state, the commission would then be folded within three months of that time period, but that has nothing to do, there is no deadline on the commission raising of funds, and if it's not raised by X date that this law is no longer valid, um, that, is, that is not what is um, happening.
2: Uh, that's fantastic news. I'd like to, uh, us to move to an introduction with our next guest, uh, David Schmidt, who is the uh, with Industrial Hemp Manufacturing. David, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your organization and what you're doing?
1: Sure. I'm David Schmidt, Chief Operating Officer of Industrial Hemp Manufacturing, LLC, in Spring Hope, North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. We are a wholly owned subsidiary of Hemp, Inc. Uh, in Las Vegas. We've got here in Spring Hope, North Carolina, we've got the uh, largest natural fiber decortication facility in the United States. Uh, once we're fully operational, we'll have the ability to process in excess of 40 million pounds per year of uh, raw hemp stocks. Uh, the markets that we'll be uh, going after initially will be, uh, will be manufacturing law circulation materials for the gas and oil drilling industry. Uh, we'll be making you know, those products out of the herd of the stock. Uh, we've also got a family of absorbent products to clean up uh, chemical and oil spills. And then of course the fiber uh, we've we've signed agreements with uh, uh, textile companies to manufacture clothing out of the fiber. So uh, we're, we're anticipating uh, having material in the marketplace probably within 60 days now. We're getting very very close to having this thing uh, operational, at least phase one of it.
2: So you are able to receive hemp from other states at this time or just North Carolina hemp?
1: Well we're starting with North Carolina, uh but we yeah, we, we have the ability from uh you know to bring material in from neighboring states as well.
2: And is your um Uh, For those listeners who don't know the lingo, um, could you define what a decorticator is and what the term herd is?
1: Decortication is a process where, if you look at the hemp stock, approximately the outer 30% is the fiber. The the fiber is what's used in the uh, textile industry, the automotive industry. Uh, The the herd of the stock is the the inner core, uh, approximately the inner 70%. Uh, of of the stock
2: and herd can be turned into what type of products
1: numerous products herd is used in uh, I mean there's literally thousands of different products can be made Uh, hempcrete uh, for example is made with the uh, hemp herd and then they put some uh, lime in with it and some water Uh, the herd is what I use to make the lost circulation materials uh, there's just you know just a multiple different uses of, uh, of products product that can be made out of the herd. Uh, one of the more common ones is uh, animal bedding, such as horse bedding and, and small animal bedding. Uh, it's a very very absorbent product.
2: So like uh, hamsters, the bedding you can buy at uh, pet supply stores for um, just aqua- just small animals and 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 Horses and gals that like straw, you can use the bedding for that? Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, it's typically what, what if, if we were selling a, a a horse bedding made out of hemp herd, typically what you're displacing is a product today that is, uh, you know, wood shavings is what they put in the stall. The, the problem with the wood shavings is that they're, they're not very friendly to the horse's respiratory system. I mean, it's pretty nasty. You walk in there and uh, the odor from the, from the wood shavings, I've, I've never cared for it, uh, and the 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 thing with the hemp herd is that it lasts so much longer. Although it's more costly initially, when you look at it lasting, you know, four, five, six times as long as, as the wood shavings, it's definitely uh, advantageous to use a a horse bedding made out of hemp herd.
2: So it really soaks up liquids like uh, horse urine, uh, oil spills from the. Uh, like um I heard that you were with the BP process and the um cleanup and, that we experienced in the Gulf when the BP had that horrible accident.
1: Yeah, the 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 uh, deep water horizon explosion in the Gulf. Uh yeah, we spent a good bit of time down there uh with our products.
2: Um now uh, I'd like to move to our next guest, um Jason Jedi I'll let him pronounce his last name. <laughs> he's our he's our special guest for my local Knoxville uh, co op. And uh he has worked in uh food services and I'd like to let him describe a little bit about um uh nutritional hemp seed.
4: Hi, yes, thanks Rob Roy. Um yeah, I worked at the local uh, food co op here and actually in the wellness department for the last three years. Um so I'm a little familiar with the food. Um we have hemp hearts, they're shelled hemp seeds. Um, extremely high protein, uh, omega-3, 6 9, it's all that stuff you get from fish oil. Um, another thing about the seeds is they tend to be labeled as nutritional uh, as a, rather than supplemental, which uh, would allow people, at least in Tennessee, I know, to use EBT or uh, food stamps to purchase those because of the nutritional value. A lot of the supplements get X'd out of that somehow. Um, we have hemp protein. The, the brands that we carry are, are Manitoba and Nutiva. Um, they make hemp oils as well. Um, I mean, the fact that you're getting a vegetarian protein, uh, a complete protein, plus you're getting your omegas, um, it just goes a long way to, to helping a body good, you know?
2: And, Jed, for the, for the sake of the group and, and our listeners, uh, could you uh,
4: tell us uh, your full name for everybody? Sure, sure. Jason Seaman. Excellent. Um,
2: Now uh, I would love to uh, just launch into more of an open dialogue, a roundtable. The purpose of this phone call in my heart is uh, to bring together uh, each of our southern states one at a time, beginning with Tennessee and North Carolina, so that we can learn from each other and grow with each other. Um, Colleen, did you uh, have you uh, had any opportunity to uh, meet with David and uh, tour his facility
3: yet? No, I haven't, and I've always been really curious. Um, but also coming from the national perspective, um, before you know, Mitch McConnell had passed the amendment that is was in the Agricultural Appropriations Act that is now part of our appropriations bill as law, um, I was really concerned about interstate commerce and our ability to be able to utilize anything outside of the state of Tennessee. But since um, Senator Mitch McConnell has entered that amendment, which is now law, as I mentioned, you know, we really have more opportunities now than we did before. So um, I'm really excited to learn about the opportunity to um, look at that facility as something that we might be able to utilize for processing. We don't have a lot of fiber varieties yet in the state of Tennessee, which obviously would be necessary. Uh, most of the varieties that we are going to be cultivating here are for grain. And um, so I think that you know, we need a better logistics in terms of how to get people growing the right varieties for um, first and secondary processing. Uh, you know, but despite that, we would love to organize an effort to get our group to come and and do a tour if that would be possible
2: David any feedback definitely
1: definitely <laughs> absolutely
3: yep absolutely awesome. nice to have you. <laughs> glad to hear
2: it glad to hear it um now, uh, david i you recently went to the n o c o uh hemp industrial gathering in Colorado in April. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience and also being on the panel that you were on?
1: Well, I was on two separate panels. Uh, the The NOCO, you know, this was, this was the NOCO 3 in Loveland, Colorado. Uh, the, the turnout was, I mean, every year it just gets better and better. Uh, there were, you know, n- many, many uh, booths, vendors, you know, on-site, uh, we had some of the finest speakers in the, uh, in the industry present. It was just, uh, I mean, I, I highly recommend the event for, for anybody that's in the, the, the industry, the, the contacts that are there, the, the vast amount of knowledge it's it's really incredible. It was a, uh, it was a great, great outing. Uh, met a lot of contacts that were interested in our products. It's, uh, it's just a great place to exhibit and, and to make new contacts and, and listen to uh, you know, some of the leading industry experts. Very, very valuable uh, event.
3: Yeah, I agree, David. I was also um, at the NOCO Hemp Expo. I'm sorry we weren't able to meet formally. Um, and it is a really great event in terms of exposition. I think perhaps a more advanced education opportunity is at the Hemp Industries Association Conference which will also be in Denver this year. Um, it's going to be in Denver September 18th through the 20th, I believe. And that's really two days mm-hmm. of full education sessions where people can get more insight on agronomy, um, business practices, law um, law issues, challenges, and also looking at new technologies. Last year we had Dr. David Mitlen, who came down, who's the gentleman from the University in New York that identified that, you know, hence could be an alternative, uh, you know, alternative to graphene for the use of supercapacitors and the other type of battery technology. Um, so, you know, in terms of some of the more, you know, hour-long, super in-depth educational sessions, I think the HIA conference has more of that heavy education vibe, um, and they have such a smaller exposition, Um, But so there's two great events, right? North Colorado Hemp Expo, I think it's fantastic for exhibition. Um, And I've been um, last year and this year, and it was fantastic. Um, And the HIA conference is going to be really heavy-hitting education, technology, where we're going, and have some major people, not just from the United States, but also from other parts of the world that have been working on this technology for the last two decades. So I just want to put that bug in everyone's ear that um, to remember to mark your calendars for the HIA conference in September.
2: Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Karina. Uh, I missed one in April, and uh, I was jealous when David told me about it. <laughs> I was like, ah, because I got on the website and I looked at it, and, it, and the ecosystem uh, was tremendous. They have this poster of the entire ecosystem of the hemp industry, and it is as large as social media, and it blew my mind. And I had no idea that we'd advanced that far that quickly. And um, I was impressed, very impressed.
0: Um, Jeffrey,
2: do you have anything to add? Did you make it to any of these conferences this year? Did you go to NOCO?
0: I I did not make it to NOCO, unfortunately. We've been huffing around the state here in North Carolina. We've been working with the Carolina Farm Stewards, the County Ag Extensions, uh, of course, the Agriculture Department and and NC State University, um, you know, So we've been solely concentrated on North Carolina, uh, working with uh, David Schmidt, his facility, and the Nash uh, County-Carolina partnership, uh, Carolina Gateway's partnership as far as economic economic impact development um, resources. So we've been staying pretty close to home with everything we need to tackle. Um, I did attend HIA in Kentucky. Um, I believe it was around the same weekend that we passed our law. I, I recall being there. I think it was September 26th, 27th, 28th or something like that, um, and we were there for that. Um, but as far as national stuff, uh, we haven't had the, uh, the time to uh, really step off the, uh, the, the borders of North Carolina at the moment. But uh, we are putting together several events. Um, one I'd like to mention, June 11th at Legacy Farms in Wallace, North Carolina, um, he is doing his own uh, hemp and natural fibers event uh, April fifteenth through uh, July first, and we're focusing on uh, hemp history week uh June eleventh is a Saturday. And uh, we're doing a specific uh, NCIHA-sponsored, industrial hemp manufacturing-sponsored educational event, which we're hoping to wrap it up with a fashion show and uh, hemp fashion show and some bands as well. So that's uh, June 11th, and that information can be found at uh, nchemp.org. And our um, organization can be reached at www, of course, ncindhemp.org.
2: Now, where can folks in Tennessee and uh, uh, Alabama, now that we're coming online, uh, make a supportive donation to North Carolina Hemp to keep you all moving forward?
0: That can be done on our website. We have a multitude of uh, donation capabilities, whether that's a donation directly to the North Carolina Industrial Hemp Commission, which is the agency that obviously we are attempting to fund uh, those funds will be earmarked directly to the commission, uh, and, and all funds are recorded, tracked, and, and will be part of our report to agriculture. So every dollar that comes in, uh, and, and, goes to the North Carolina industrial hemp commission will be, you know, essentially public knowledge. We're following all North Carolina rules and ethics laws in regards to that. Um, so that donation can be made on our website. Uh, they can split a donation between the commission and supporting the association, uh, that could support just the commission, just the association, um, and we could do that in a now basis, meaning you could go ahead and process a payment today, or you could also do that in a promise pledge basis, meaning you promise to give, let's just pick a number, five hundred dollars once there's been enough money aggregated to reach that two hundred thousand. So right now, like I said, we are, we're, we're tipping the scales at fifty thousand. Once we get to two hundred thousand, there's another. Or close to it. There's there's money that's appropriated. That once we hit the two hundred thousand mark, that money will be charged. So if somebody doesn't want to do something today, and is waiting to kind of see what's going on. Uh, promise pledges can be taken as well.
2: All uh, right, Colleen, uh, in your second year of hemp uh, planting this year, uh, is what is the permit process? Can you describe that for us a little bit? And how, where does the seed come from? And how do the farmers get hold of the seed? And when they have the seed. Are there difficult restrictions, or is it they just throw it on the ground and watch it grow?
3: Sure, yeah. So we have have online, if you just were to Google Tennessee Hemp, the Department of Agriculture's website is going to be the first that comes up. And on that website, then you can access the application, and you can also review the rules and regulations, and you'll also find a memorandum of understanding, which has to be also signed and submitted at the time of application. And we have a deadline of April 1st, which, as you know, is April 13th, so that's tough. Um, But, you know, basically from the time of the first of the year, our organization starts to reach out to people to ask them if they need help in terms of filling out their application, uh, making sure that people are doing a proper review of the rules and regulations, have full understanding of what they're going to be expected to do. Also, there are timelines and permits uh, that they have to apply for if they're going to transport material. And that's not to be just too heavy-handed with oversight. It's just sort of a necessary burden in terms of protecting people and providing safety for those who are handling material that might be perceived as marijuana. Um, So basically just letting the department know, you know, what's being transported where, if there's ever any cause for concern, the department has that person's back, which is really important. We have a wonderful department of agriculture in terms of, you know, them really looking out for those who are, you know, acting in accordance with our state law and who are are doing things properly. We've also operated quite quietly in the state of Tennessee in terms of our hemp program, and that's for a good reason. I mean, there are still many people in the state who don't even realize that we are growing industrial hemp in the state. And for them, those who are not educated on the subspecies might very well believe that we are growing marijuana. So we're not too active media wise where that is concerned, especially because this is all just so very new. And we're not growing a whole lot. I mean, last year there were 1,400 acres that were applied for, 700 acres harvested. This year we've got about 1,200 acres applied for. I'm sure we'll harvest. You know something below that again. Um, In terms of seed, we have developed relationships with people in Canada who became basically brokers for us, or or created a direct connect to companies who have been working on cultivars there for you know the last 20 years. You know hemp has been growing in Canada since 1998, so they have a major advantage in terms of you know genetic stabilization and certified varieties, which our bill is contingent on, so we have to work with those who are working on certified genetics or have certified genetics, rather, and so it's really just, you know, making sure that, you know, the department has the right connect to access in terms of, you know, working with breeders or providers of seed from other countries at this point that, you know, because we don't have a domestic certified cultivar. I guess I should mention that. You know, we prefer that we did. In fact, we just um, we just passed a, a bill that we entered this legislative session in the state of Tennessee, which would allow universities or higher or institutions of higher um, education to work with non-certified genetics, which is really important. Um, we would like to have our academic institutions and their Credited breeders to work on this problem for us. And so that is the intent of that bill um, or part of that bill. So, um, and
2: uh, could you tell me what that bill is again, Colleen?
3: Yeah, so that's House Bill um, 2032 and Senate Bill 1611. And it does two things. Uh, the first thing it does is what I mentioned, which is would allow universities to be able to um, work with non-certified varieties of industrial hemp. As we all well know, there's a lot of really good stuff coming out of Colorado in terms of other types of industrial hemp. You know, varieties that are three-tenths of one percent THC, that may not be a hardy stock in terms of industrial use, but may have other um, applications um, for nutrition or health. And, you know, we would like to explore looking at those varieties of course and then the other thing that the bill does is it would allow processors manufacturers and distributors to become licensed under the hemp pilot program we identified some contract manufacturing or other people in the state who were curious that they might enter the hemp space with us uh, but unfortunately because they weren't weren't able to become licensed under our state hemp program They felt that the risk mitigation um, was just not, you know, wasn't to their benefit in terms of, you know, if they have either FDA registration or um, they had GC&P certification, then um, then they, they might not want to get involved because that could be taken away from them if they weren't actually licensed under the program. They wanted a federal coverage under the state law, so we teamed up with the Department of Agriculture to try and, you know, eliminate that problem. So we will have a hemp license or hemp facility license um, for manufacturers, processors, and distributors in the state um, probably just within the next couple of months. So we're excited to add that to the program.
2: Wow, Fantastic. I'm looking forward to that myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would be fantastic. Uh, um, uh, Jeff, are there many uh, people uh, stepping up in the farming realm? Uh, Have you you both seen um, folks wanting to move into more of a a production of products uh, where they could work with companies like Industrial Hemp uh, with their decorticator and they could uh, develop product lines from that in Tennessee and North Carolina? Um, as well as farming, as have, have many of the farmers approached uh, that.
0: I know from the association standpoint, um, and certainly I work real closely with David. So, it, it, but he touches and feels other people on his end. So I'd like him to comment. But uh, we have certainly seen pretty much an equal outcry of both, whether that is you know ongoing industry, um, you know like fiber companies, you know VF Corporation. Uh, There's several still, you know, uh, cotton mills and and fabric mills in North Carolina that are looking into it. Um, You know, there's certainly different pockets of nutritional and medicinal type companies as well, whether that is processing food seed uh, for the hemp hearts uh, that we were speaking of, or whether that's going to go into more other different baked goods, whether that's cereals, granolas, you know, muffins, cookies, etc., um, you know, certainly I've had guys toy with ideas about creating, um, you know, using hemp as the feedstock for their animals and creating CBD, you know, e- you know, latent CBD, CBD. Obviously, eggs and stuff of that nature with poultry. Um, and then there is no question. There is a severe outcry from the farmers to be able to take a look at what they feel, what several feel is a uh, a possible you know, replacement, if you will, for tobacco, but it's not just tobacco. I mean, North Carolina farming has taken a big hit over the last couple of years, Um, you know, but it it could be cotton, it could be corn. Um, There's a whole host of, uh, you know, farmers that, you know, certainly want the option. Um, So I, I think we've seen it pretty equally across the board. I mean, our association has always felt like, you know, North Carolina agriculture certainly being a gold standard, uh, North Carolina State University being one of the top agriculture universities in the world, Research Triangle Park, obviously, with all the, the pharmaceutical and biological elements there, um, that North Carolina can certainly be a participating hub of this industry. Um, and that's kind of what our you know, our company line was, to the legislature, and saying that North Carolina should be involved in this game uh, and really look to lead this industry from the southeast. Now that's not to discount any other southern states because you know really hemp is something that is better for the global uh economy. It's better for the world.
2: Uh David, do you have a comment do you like to add to Jeffrey's?
0: Well I think
1: I mean Jeff is uh uh is correct. I mean he he talks with a lot of farmers. Uh we've probably uh since the legislation passed in the state of North Carolina uh I've probably talked with well over 500 farmers uh, that, that have a, a great interest in in growing industrial hemp in the state of North Carolina uh, you know the last decade has been brutal for the tobacco farmers I mean every year their, their quota is reduced uh, and, and they're struggling I mean they're they're not going to make uh, a living growing uh, you know, wheat and soybeans and corn I mean the the, the margins just aren't there so the, the farmers uh, welcome this legislation, uh, and, and they're just looking for information, uh, you know, on how to grow it, uh, you know, how to seed it, how to grow it, how to harvest it, and, and that's what we're doing. We, we've The North Carolina Industrial Hemp Association and I, uh, since the first of the year, we have meetings with our members, all the farmers that are members of the North Carolina Industrial Hemp Association. We get together at our facility here in Spring Hope. And, and update the farmers on where we're at with the, 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 the current legislation, the, the status of the legislation, as well as the commission being formed, our fundraising efforts. But the NCIHA and, and industrial hemp manufacturing, I mean, we're here to, to help the farmers and, and educate them, and you know, we want them to prosper uh, as well. So uh, there is a definite uh, interest from the, the North Carolina farmers, uh, you know, a lot of interest in growing industrial hemp. As soon as the uh, commission's been formed, the rules and regulations are in place, seed certifications in place, and and we can go forward. Uh,
2: maybe Colleen will be able to help you on the uh, on the permanent process and learning how to establish that relationship within the Department of Agriculture. Uh, I, we seem to be pretty successful in that front. <laughs> Um, also i'd like to uh, uh mention that I learned that uh, uh in our university extension ag uh, division run by uh Eric Walker that uh he is a tobacco specialist that is being trained in learning more about hemp from uh, dr. Uh, David Wheeler up in Kentucky who has the uh appalachian hemp uh, 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 study um, study organization up there that they're working on um uh, my my uh my next question is more or less for the farmers um and, and directed to david uh david if uh, if a farmer wants to um sell his hemp to you uh does he need to organize with other farmers from tennessee and ship uh together or how and, and what would you pay for and for how much of the hemp so what would be the how would that what would that scenario look like if a Tennessee farmer decided that they'd like to sell you their hemp at the end of this harvest?
1: Well, I think that at the beginning of the harvest that we would uh uh enter into negotiations we would determine what uh you know the market value of the hemp stock is once the seed has been harvested uh and then we'll we'll commit to a certain number of pounds from from each farmer just as we'll do in the state of North Carolina uh and you know they'll deliver to our facility here in uh, in Spring Hope, North Carolina. Uh, it'll have to be you know bailed, you know per our specifications, uh, but I definitely see that uh, that happening uh, uh, this year.
2: Oh, fantastic! So uh, you were mentioning uh, before in conversation with me that uh, they would need to do square bales. So could you walk us through that process of decorticating? That, that is correct. Uh, so um, if they need to have the um, it's the buds and the leaves removed from the stock before shipping across state lines, is that the right. the process? That is correct. So uh, if right. the hemp is growing in the field, um, in in uh, and they need to harvest it like hay, like my dad had a hay baler, and he would uh, we'd let let the grass grow all summer, and then we'd take the hay baler out and we'd. Cut the grass, and we'd bale hay, and then we'd throw the bales of hay up in the barn to feed the horses all winter. And it was a pretty straightforward process. We cut it down, we let it dry. Um, can you describe what that looks like um, from a hemp perspective? Like, if they cut down the hemp, is there a special machine that can debud, deleaves and put it in the square bales? Um, I'm not sure what that looks like.
1: Well, no, what I prefer to do, I mean, I, I prefer the, 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 the hemp stock defoliate in the field. So the, the first process is, uh, you know, they would go in, they would harvest the seed. And and once the seed was harvested, uh, we go ahead and we, we cut the stock, let it lay there. Uh, and then what we're looking at is, is moisture content. Once the moisture content is down in the, you know, 10, 12% range, uh, then we go ahead and bale it in the large square bales and uh, and we're ready for, uh, you know, to transport it. Oh, that seems simple It, it, it uses, I mean, all the machinery we're looking at is, 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 you know, traditional farming machinery. It's no different than you'd harvest a wheat straw with.
2: Now, I did um, get the opportunity when I toured your uh, facility to see the um, uh, portable decorticator that you all will be marketing out to farmers. How does that fit into the process of? Is that between removal well, of what seed does, and forest square baling?
1: No. What once once the seed has been harvested and the stalks have been cut, the, the portable decortication system is for use by farmer. You know, small farmers. A guy that's growing five, ten acres, twenty acres, maybe thirty acres. It's it's definitely not going to be for somebody growing five hundred acres because the the output of it is is you know not great enough. I mean, the, our our large decortication system here will process over 40 million pounds a year. The little one that we have, the little portable uh, for use out in the the smaller hemp fields, I mean, uh, you know, that thing, I mean, we're talking, you know, maybe, you know, a couple thousand pounds a day. Uh, Ah, yeah, big But what it does, once (laughs) once it's been decorticated, it it makes it a lot more uh, feasible to, to transport it from one or two states away.
2: Uh Colleen, will we have has anyone been discussing with you and your association a uh different maybe processing centers like co ops maybe, like maybe a co op in Nashville, a co op in Chattanooga and a co op in, in Knoxville for aggregating for the farmers and then shipping like large distributed loads to um a facility like David's? Is that uh has that been, has that been discussed?
3: No, I wouldn't say we're we're even close to that point yet, Um, you know, because we we haven't really identified any opportunities for processing, really, you know, that's just not been something that has been discussed. So, um, you know, to be able to move forward, being thoughtful that, you know, there may be opportunities out there that are in neighboring states is a huge opportunity that we recognize. But, yeah, that hasn't been a conversation so far, again, because, I mean, given last year, we were told that, you know, we shouldn't be moving any material out of the state, and that's, you know, at least changed for now. I mean, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, the interstate commerce provision of the Appropriations Act is something that has to happen annually. So, um, you know, not having too much of a long-game long, long game confidence in, in, in the stabilization of opportunity is real pro- really problematic for the industry. We hope that um, you know, the federal efforts will help change that soon. I guess I should probably mention that we all need to be supporting the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, which would effectively define industrial hemp, uh, you know, as a separate subspecies for marijuana, thereby removing it from the Controlled Substance Act entirely And states that have legalized hemp. So for all of us, you know, if we were able to pass Senate Bill Um, 134. We would really be looking at, you know, major bolster to all of our efforts, and not having to worry about scheming. You know, how do we navigate the legislative framework with which we're acting in, uh, which is super complex, state to state, uh, but also because the federal permissions are so limited therein. So it's just, everything's kind of up in the air and. I know that was a long answer to your question, but these are all the no, things that I like really, long answers. Yeah, we we what well, we really need to be working on, you know, our our you know, all of these different things so that we can have more of the opportunity to work together. And again, you know, we, we want to have these discussions. We you know, I will definitely reach out to David and we will try to get something going because this is huge. I mean, just to be in, involved in this conversation right now is really important. Um So that you know we can make something happen between you know now and and in the future in terms of coming make a visit and and having more of a relationship um within the southeast but yeah this interstate transport thing is is very new and so we're happy to have it but it's 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 an annual thing that will have to be resubmitted um every time that they go to pass appropriation so you know, we're oh, on pretty yeah. pre, we're on pretty shaky ground. You know, in yeah. terms of what's legal for us long term, and yes. I think that's a, that's a real problem. So we all need to you know be supporting the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, and we can do that with the Vote Hemp website. It's Vote Hemp dot com slash take action, and the first action item is Senate Bill. Um, 134, which is the which is the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, and all you do is enter your zip code, and it will fire off an automated message that details all of the key items to your senators. Um, and if your senators are already a co-sponsor, it sends them a wonderful thank you note and encourages them to engage their colleagues in a discussion to educate them about why this bill is so critical. So now, just want to let everyone know.
4: Kelly, could you give us
2: that website again, where people can go to uh, um, send that letter?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It is votehim. dot com slash take action.
2: Excellent. Uh, is there a possibility of encouraging um, uh, both you and Jeffrey uh, and uh, Kentucky and Alabama to develop a monthly uh, southeastern interregional meeting where uh, the industry can form and have these conversations and, and be abreast of each other's needs and, and, and support one another.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think monthly would be overkill. I know how much effort is, I put into just doing monthly right. state-wise. <laughs> but, okay. You know, so maybe, maybe quarterly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Quarterly, you know, or, you know, biannually something like that where we can really work together for sure. Like a Southeastern
2: that, Summit, maybe? Like a,
3: I think that's beautiful. Like, yeah,
2: Southeastern Hemp Summit. That would be fun right. to create. Yes,
3: that would be great.
2: Well, um, I just wanted to uh, thank all of you for um, giving me your time and being so open and sharing. David, I wanted to thank you for the tour of the facility and Jeffrey for giving me um, such a spontaneous introduction to David when I was, uh, when I kind of dropped in on you like an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Without we're, any we're, we're, used to,
0: we're used to bobbing and weaving. And, and I would like to put an extra shout out to David. Thank you for, for getting Rob on, uh, on that tour. And, um, yeah, it was a unplanned event, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> well, we worked out very well. I'm glad that Rob got to see the facility we've got here in spring. Hope, uh, we're, you know, we're very proud of what we've built and, uh, uh, as i stated earlier we 're very very close to getting phase one online and uh and start moving some product through this facility so uh uh you know glad, glad you made it over here to to look at what uh what we 've done and all the hard work we put into this thing rob
2: yeah it, it was it was impressive and it gave me uh, an instilled hope so uh before i close uh, I did want to ask you david about uh investing in your company i uh, i've uh, uh, how does someone uh, get involved in that? Is there a website you have that we can go to to invest in your hemp company and, and uh, to help you grow?
1: I mean, our our, our, our stock is sold over the counter. Uh, it's hemp, H-E-M-P. You know, as I stated, uh, Industrial Hemp Manufacturing, LLC, is a wholly owned subsidiary of the parent company, Hemp, Inc., in Las Vegas. Uh, like I say, it's traded over the counter. Uh, absolutely, anyone can purchase uh stock
2: and uh, what is your parent company like just for our listeners so they know uh, a little bit about the parent company
1: well hemp bank started years ago as a uh, consulting company and and when the uh, opportunity arose a couple years ago to to purchase the largest natural fiber decortication facility in the country uh, hemp bank stepped up to the plate they purchased the machinery we then uh looked for a, a new home court we uh we were successful on bidding for all of the machinery but we were outbid on the the building and property it was it was far more than what we needed i mean it was 100 acres and you know an ex- excess of 100 acres and uh you know 150,000 square foot of uh warehousing and it was you know it was a lot more than we needed so we elected to relocate in nash county north carolina and uh, we you know we moved the machinery Raw material, uh, and, and now we're assembling everything and uh, getting very close to becoming operational here.
2: Hey, can you describe to us Spring Hope and your uh, your host community to us a little bit and how they've received the Spring. Your Spring, Spring
1: yeah. Sure. Uh, Spring Hope is about I don't know 20-25 minutes east of Raleigh, just off of Highway 64. Uh, Spring Hope is a small town. Its uh, population is approximately 1,300. Uh, the largest city close to us, we're, you know, I don't know, six miles away maybe from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Nashville, North Carolina. And then, of course, just a few miles from that is Rocky Mountain. Where, uh, our facility is probably 10 miles from uh, Interstate 95. We're about 90 minutes from the Port of Norfolk, Virginia. We're about the same distance from Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, you know, most of our, not most, but a very substantial portion of the material we sell is, is going offshore, the Middle East, South America, and locations around the world. And it's all shipped on, uh, you know, ocean, uh, you know, uh, cargo containers. So our location is absolutely ideal. I mean, with, with the two ports 90 minutes away, I mean, it's, you know, the location is, is perfect here. The the community has been uh, very helpful. The local chamber of commerce, uh, uh, our, our legislators here in the state of North Carolina uh, have been very supportive. Uh, I mean, I can't say enough for all the help that we've received since we made the decision to locate the facility in Nash County, North Carolina.
2: That's fantastic. And uh, is the this community? Um, uh, are they hard pressed for jobs? Is it a uh, vibrant community? Yes. Uh, is it a no, suburb of Raleigh? Uh, uh, can you no. describe us the, the actual community itself.
1: Yeah, we're we're we sit right in the middle of a, a you know a, a farming community, uh, even though we're only about twenty minutes east of Raleigh. Uh, once you get out of Raleigh, I mean from here to the coast, it's there, there's a lot of farming in this part of North Carolina. And uh, uh like I say it's, so it's, it's a like small uh, town. It's,
2: it's yeah, that's fantastic. So it's like going it's like driving from uh outside of Knoxville headed towards the mountains where it turns into farm country like in Cart yeah. County and Bandridge.
1: Exactly.
4: Okay. Exactly.
2: Fantastic. And Jeffrey, what is the uh what what is uh North Carolina's agricultural department like? Uh the internal realities of like uh their uh do they take hemp seriously right now or what would it take for them to take to to uh sit up and notice hemp are they uh, are they where's that in, in the relationship uh, I, I, I
0: I respectfully think that 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 the agriculture department is very aware of hemp i I think part of our goals is to further educate them on you know the pending boom of the industry is somewhat you know, it's something that has to be shown a little bit more than, you know, what we have right now, that there's more and more coming, there's more and more industry, you know, like the automotive industry, and certainly David could speak to his experience with the automotive industry, that, you know, Mercedes-Benz and BMW, you know, have been for years utilizing hemp in some manner, uh, and certainly they have their i3 electric car, which is, uh, a, a good portion of the dashboards, the crash padding, uh, and, and and some of the plastics in the car are uh, exclusively hemp technology uh, uh, plastics. Um, you know, Ford I know is moving towards stuff like that as well. Uh, there's certainly a Canadian company that designed a, a plane that is uh, manufactured out of hemp and runs on hemp fuel. And and wow. there's, there's there's I think there is. You know, from the agriculture point, uh, you know they have to look at this as an overall. You know, I mean, I've been told figures that you know North Carolina's you know economic worldwide contribution based on their agriculture is you know in the neighborhood of eighty billion dollars of economic impact, and and they have to look at it from a standpoint of. You know, if every farmer, you know, wanted to grow hemp, is there a market for it, not just a small pilot program? And I think there's some inherent challenges there on the status of the industry, namely because of all the things that uh, Colleen mentioned with, uh, you know, interstate transportation, federal regulations, um, to where is this industry ready for, you know, such a a massive agriculture, um, you know, output of hemp? uh not only in North Carolina but throughout the United States as as we look every day. Uh congrats to Alabama. Uh you know, Nebraska's moving along. I, I I was doing some due diligence the other day. Nebraska passed their law and Colleen could certainly speak to this years ago, but they haven't got a single you know seed in the ground.
3: That's right. But
0: there's a there's a lot coming. South Carolina's the same way. Uh you know, South Carolina passed their law in, you know, ten or eleven uh, but they never established a licensing process. And that was one of the things that we attempted to do in our due diligence is look at the states that are, A, passing their laws, but B, yet to cultivate and try to, you know, glean some knowledge from the positives and negatives of different laws and different situations that we could set up, you know, for recommendation, North Carolina being in the best possible position to move forward within this industry. So uh, there, there is no... Education um, on hemp itself that needs to be done with agriculture. All those conversations have gone quite well. It's more of you know, will people switch their buying from Manitoba Harvest and and, and hemp oil Canada and and different companies from outside of the United States to purchasing their products from. Uh, you know, North Carolina farmers, Tennessee farmers, Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, et cetera, et cetera, Um, you know, any, any state within the United States, is that ready to go on a scale that can be matched by, you know, let's not be, you know, completely in the realm of North Carolina, southeastern farmers. Um, So there is an element of a challenge there showing that besides the industrial hemp manufacturing facility, um, is industry ready to, you know, start making hemp shirts, uh, start making hemp jeans and, um, you know, get into the nanotechnologies and the graphene and uh, soil remediation. You know, I mean, we think that, you know, Duke Power should be looking, you know, very closely at hemp and its soil remediation pro- uh, processes or capabilities. You know, with the coal ash ponds in North Carolina is a big political hot topic. Um, one of our members uh, has a compost uh property and they do organic compost and she wants to plant, you know, along the rivers of her property, uh, you know, hemp plants to, you know, suck some of the stuff that is, um, you know, flowing off her property and before it gets into the waters of, of her, her rivers, that's obviously going to go downstream and elsewhere, uh, but to suck out some of the heavy metals and, and, and make her soil better and so on and so forth. So there there's all kinds of things that hemp can do. And that's not necessarily a monetary project. That's just a project that she wants to do to better her land. Um, but there, there, there's so many different angles with hemp. It's which ones are mature and which ones are ready. And and, and one thing that you know, I've I've spoke with Eric Seenstra at um, uh, HIA and Vote Hemp, and you know, we're trying to collaborate a little bit on, you know, for lack of better terms, showing that the industry is ready. You know, I'm trying to reach out to Nutiva and some of the US-based companies that are heavily involved in hemp and uh have made statements like they'll buy all the organic hemp seed from um, you know, from Kentucky farmers, you know, we'd like to get some type of interest letter that yes, if, if hemp is cultivated in North Carolina, they'd be interested in products from our state. And and that's kind of, you know, just a quick glimpse into the daily operations of what we're trying to achieve. Besides the education, it's kind of rallying and formulating the industry, um, you know, around what North Carolina wants to see and, and how we can show it to the the governor and the agriculture commissioner that, you know, things are coming and we want to be part of it.
2: That's fantastic. Um, David, uh, I just had a quick question for you, and then we need to wrap up the show here because we're at our hour limit, and I want to be respectful to our listeners. Um, David, uh, is there like a – for this year's harvest, is there like a negotiated realm of uh, what you would pay per pound and negotiated, or is that by per farmer basis? How do you – how would a farmer even approach that conversation to even begin to, to talk to you about this?
1: Well, what, for, all I can, all I can say on that one, Rob, is we, we know what we've done the last few years in the state of Colorado. So we've got to, when we sit down and, and discuss, uh, you know, this with the, with the farmers, we, we've got a good idea already, uh, you know, what their income per acre is going to be. Uh, we, we need to explain that to them, uh, you know, get a contract in place for, you know, X number of acres. But what what I've seen in the last three years in Colorado is that the farmers are going to like what they see a lot.
2: Well, with that note, I am going to say yes. <laughs> well, hey, thank right. you, family, for, thank everyone you. for us, everyone's attention. Thank you from uh, our Three Rivers Market, and uh, thank you from our Tennessee in our North Carolina hemp industries, I'd like to uh, uh, just, uh, my heart goes out to all of you and, and the amazing hard work that you all are doing. I know you all are overworked and underpaid, but this uh, is definitely the green, golden future. Right um, on. Yeah. So, Thanks, Rob. Uh, you're welcome, guys. And uh, so, uh, listeners out there, uh, look forward to uh, hearing you all's feedback. Uh, Please reach out to um, our our guests uh, in their uh, daily capacities and uh, learn as much as you can about the growing southeastern hemp industry. It is coming. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for joining me on the call today, and uh, I'll probably touch base with you all individually. Uh, If you all could uh, send me... um... With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.